everyone, welcome to the podcast. You have Richard and Steve. Good We've to been be ditched here. by Angela. Yes, yes. Uh, so it may not be as... Uh, <laughs> not as vibrant. Vibrant. Is it because she's we still on cake watch? No, she's down uh, visiting uh, a class in Eugene today okay. that she had to go. Because uh, she, I know she's been baking a lot of cakes. Yes, she so has. I'm a little, little bit jealous <laughs> of the fact that we have you're cakes, returning cakes, home cakes. to a house full of cake. Well, and after our uh, last podcast on fasting. <laughs> uh, yes, the irony. <laughs> the irony of that, yes. So. But I guess actually you're returning home to a house full of cakes that are for a, a wedding. So it's not like you can eat them all. Either. Well, she's doing... It's all prep for a, ki- a wedding cake that yes. she's going to make. And yeah. so, unfortunately, she has to do lots of it. So. Lots of cake testing. Yes, yeah. lots of tasting, quality control. So this should all make those of you who are here on Sundays really want to get to know Angela. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hang out with Angela. <laughs> um, so we last, yes, last week we talked about Lent mm-hmm. a little bit, about what it is. We talked about fasting a lot, like yeah. you said. Um, and yeah, we are sort of starting our Lent series this week as a church. So it's a little bit different today. We're mm. not doing a, our sort of run through a portion of scripture. This is actually a bit more of an ideas conversation mm-hmm. than a Bible nerd. Uh, well, it kind of is. Well, we may get some Bible yeah, nerd coming out. Yeah, there may be out. some Bible nerd coming out. There usually does. But yeah, slightly yeah. different conversation. And this is, um, it's a little bit of like a, passion ideology mm. for me mm. is that story really matters mm. and so we're going, we're going to talk a little bit about that because um, I, I think it's a really common phrase in our culture but i kind of want to talk about it and digest it a little bit because I, I don't think we understand just how profoundly story matters mm. how much of a tool it is for discipleship um, and formation and just how, I don't know, imposing other stories in our world mm. are. Like we're constantly being pressed and molded by the stories our culture, our media, like things like that are telling around us. Right. And, I, and I think I think that sort of phrase triggers like lots of different ideas in different people. And actually, they're probably all a little bit true. Yeah. Like it might make people think of like, oh, yeah you don't trust the liberal media conspiracy theories like those stories like well yeah but it's deeper than that yeah well they you know the stories of consumerism and individualism and you know mm-hmm. yeah that too but it's deeper than that too mm. you know so it's a uh, cuz this is a this is the story <laughs> yeah it's yeah. the only one that's 100% true yeah 100% real god's yeah. story yeah um and i'm aware that the way I think it's a mixture of like the way we read our Bible and the way we tell what we would classically call the gospel. Yeah. Um has also I don't know, maybe it's not like twisted like it's turned it into heresy, but it's maybe narrowed our view of what the story is. Mm-hmm. So we have a sort of incomplete story. Um like I was just thinking about Sunday. And um, one of the things I wanted to say was like, yeah, mo- most of us, you know, feel like, yeah, we we know like the Easter stories about the, f- you know, mm. being able to go to heaven and having your sins forgiven. I was like, well, they're both true. Well, actually, they're true-ish. They're true given what you mean by that. You know, like even mm-hmm. the idea mm-hmm. of I'm going to heaven is mm-hmm. like, well, 
if your image is just that the storyline of scripture is, you know, we live in this world, but there's going to be a next one, and some of us will go to heaven and some of us will go to hell, that's actually a Greek worldview. Mm-hmm. That's not a biblical worldview. A- and actually, there's aspects of it, aspects of that Greek worldview that cross over with the biblical worldview. But if that's what we think a biblical worldview is, it's like, oh, no, we're missing some really important parts of the picture to really understand the yeah. story and what the word heaven means. And so it's a yeah. great example of just how we can enrich our understanding of the story. Yeah. No, Richard, when you first sort of threw this out there as an idea to for us to talk about, um, you know, I've been thinking about this and, and just uh, saying, okay, that's okay. Where are... Um, you know, maybe where do I need to re-examine the story that's in my head? Where might I have uh, just assumed I've got it all um, or got it correct or yeah. mostly correct even as and say, hey, set that aside and maybe actually what have I missed? Mm-hmm. Because I, I can dwell in that's my version of that story mm-hmm. enough that maybe I've really miss something that God does want to say. Yeah. And so I'm I'm really looking forward to this And there's always more to learn. Like yeah. I'm learning. I think it's part of the nature of Scripture and the way mm-hmm. God's revealed himself mm-hmm. is that there is a grand unifying story from Genesis 1 to Revelation mm-hmm. 22. But the Bible uses lots of different threads, images, mm-hmm. to, to tell different aspects of the story. Mm. It's not that there's one set of concepts that are used throughout the whole of Scripture yeah. to tell the story. Like an example of this would be like the idea of um, exile and redemption from exile. Like that's that's an image. Like right. like Adam and Eve exiled from the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Abraham experiencing mm-hmm. aspects of exile. Yeah. You know, um, Israel finding themselves exiled in Egypt yeah. uh, and being redeemed and out. And Babylon. Yeah, Babylon, uh, yeah. you know, that we find ourselves exiles in the kingdom of darkness, mm-hmm. needing to be rescued into the kingdom mm-hmm. of light. So it's there's a thread that helps you tell the story, yeah. but it's really hard to make one thread tell the whole story. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I think it's That's just good. part of the richness of Scripture. And, uh, and maybe this is a, a difference in our sort of Western way of thinking Mm. is we digest media that tends to and it's been true since the enlightenment we've been on a reductionistic kick Mm. like how can we reduce our set of concepts down to make the way we talk about things simpler Mm. you know if you can boil everything down to physics and biology then yeah you feel like you've got one access point mm. for any problem any conversation anything you want to think about anything you want to situate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's a methodology that's rife in the western world but it's really different to the methodology of storytelling that mm. that god mm. used with his people mm. and so i think we're kind of prone to get bits of the story but miss other bits of the story Mm. so finding ways to sort of tell the grand narratives uh is really important even like you know what's the gospel yeah right is the gospel well i'm a sinner and you're without sin i'm separate from god but jesus forgives my sins to make it possible for me not to be separated from god Mm -hmm. those are true statements correct 
but it's an incomplete gospel story, mm, mm. right? And it's uh, it's one of those things like uh, I'm going to mention this, but we're not going to get to unpack it on Sunday. Mm, mm. You know, like the apostles were running around after Jesus's resurrection, saying like, "Good news has happened." It was like headline news. Like we interrupt right. this program because something important's happened. You know, like newsflash. Mm-hmm. Um, but the newsflash was not, "You're a sinner." It was. Mm-hmm. It was not just that thing. It was. Yeah. It was actually a much bigger thing to do with the kingdom, uh-huh. to do with the Messiah, to do with creation. You know, like, mm. and it's really interesting the way, like, the apostles interact with Judaism and try to pull what God's revealed in their story mm. into it. And then like the way Paul interacts with the Areopagites and reaches back mm-hmm, to their mm-hmm. ideas of like uh, creation, providence, sovereignty, purpose, mm. you know, to try to help them understand that what he's talking about is good news in a, a much bigger story than just something to do with just your guilt and, and the effect yeah. of your guilt on your relationship with God. And, I, I'm just I'm just aware, like in in the West, but actually in America, especially when you say to people, "Could you just write down the gospel?" I was the gospel. Yeah. Often we think gospel means that, like, you're a sinner, you need to be saved. Jesus will save you. But actually, that that gospel, that good news, that euangelion in Greek mm-hmm. idea in the New Testament was the broad thing. And it's really interesting mm. when we, I always have like this mental, um, I don't know, like uh, something sparks in me when I hear people talk about telling people the gospel. I'm like, what well, do you mean telling them the story or telling them oh, the bit of the story? And when we think about making disciples and going and telling the gospel to the nations, do we mean we want, like, we want to, like, I want to tell the gospel to my neighbor. I want my neighbor to understand they're a sinner and that Jesus can forgive them. Well, I do want that. But But there's another part of like, I want, I want my, I want to tell the gospel to my neighbor, Mm, which mm. is like, I want them to understand the whole story about God Mm. so that they can understand the story I'm inviting them into Mm. and Jesus and forgiveness and reconciliation that Jesus accomplishes still become a linchpin of that story, which is why Easter is so important. But if the story just begins with you're a sinner, it's like you're missing Act One. Like right, you don't understand right. the characters, right? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm just well, I'm, I'm going on and on. No, I think uh, I just uh, <laughs> I I get excited hearing this because um, as as you're talking, I just it's you, I'm so aware of how. Um, really compact and concise, I want that answer to be, and yet how unfulfilling that would be if I had that definition and yeah. how how I really know, like deep down, that I'd be missing something. Yeah. Um, and so the idea of putting myself in a place of saying, and there's more, and God mm-hmm. has so much more to give, um, that even in this discussion, it's not, we're not going to it's impossible to tell yeah. the grandness of the story. And and maybe that's the whole point is his story is yeah. so grand. And even taking the next four Sundays yeah. to unpack it a little bit will be 
scratching the surface yeah. of it. Yeah. But I, I think that's the objective. The objective yeah. is to scratch enough to feel oriented mm-hmm. and invited mm-hmm. so that as we read the Bible, we have a richer understanding of how to situate mm-hmm. those different threads as parts of a bigger story. Mm-hmm. And, and not just to understand our Bibles, but then to be affected. Yeah. Like there's this phrase, um, Molly mentioned it, and I can't remember where the phrase comes from, but someone clever, good with words, came up with this phrase, the story you live in will be the story you live out. Oh, yeah. No, I remember that. that was I can't remember who it was, but it's it's really true. Like it shapes us. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, like stories going on in our culture right now. You know, like yeah, the, the storyline yeah. of being under threat. Yeah. And that being, if that's the only narrative we live under, yeah, and it could be war, it could be political threat, it could be climate mm-hmm. anxiety, yeah, it could be all sorts of things. Um, but if that becomes the story, then if I if I situate myself as a character in that, then I it's really easy to, if someone was like, okay, give me a character profile for you as mm, a character mm. in that story, right? To be like, oh yeah, my character is afraid, always losing, you're never gaining, not having hope, a character whose whose world is being diminished. Yeah, yeah and, and, and on and on. Sure, you know, sure. Who, who you know, has anxiety but no no ability yeah. to control is disenfranchised. You know, just yeah. all of those. It's really easy if you inhabit that story yeah. for those things then to become not just ideas but dominant realities that actually shape how you think about yeah. yourself and your place in the world, your relationship with others, and things like that. And so our our objective here in this discussion over the next couple of Sundays are then is then to say, hey, it matters sort of what that story looks like. Um, and by orienting us into the broader scope of God's story, it's an invitation to inhabit a story that's that's you know, very different than, say, a story that culture would um, lay upon us and the yeah. story that you described is, say, no, that's, if you're letting that story shape you, that leads to a path that could be discouraging, despair, disheartening, anxiety, all those yeah. things, versus let's really, let's in, invite us all to step into this broader story mm-hmm. that is about hope, about renewal, about um, repair, redemption, you know, just into this grander view of uh, God's story. Um, Yeah. And and it will radically alter how we interact with things. Yeah, yeah. Because I might, uh, I I don't know, thinking about like uh, the threat of war, Hmm. say, right? It, it'll change radically how I interact yeah. with the the circumstances, the facts. Yeah. So it's things. not ignoring. Like this isn't ignoring no. what the... But it situates w- them in a different narrative, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. Because like our circumstances are not our story. That's right, yeah. And, uh, and 
I think that's the big threat. The big threat for us is that mm. our circumstances become our story. Mm. And what happens is our narrative, our sense of identity, of value, of purpose, of possibility is constantly mm. being pushed around by our circumstances. Mm. When actually the story of God begins with, we are given purpose to go push creation, mm. to mm. shape, to bring order, to subdue. You know, so it's, uh, it's almost we, the antithesis. And we almost walk around completely backwards. Yeah. Yeah, and and it just it is so interesting, mm. you know, um, how we might respond differently. But it takes an element of faith, mm. because w- without faith in God's agency in the past, the present, and future, then yeah, if the mm. only things mm. we think are real are our circumstances, is right. our present tense, then yeah, our, our circumstances will just become our story. Right. And then it makes it, it makes it hard to push back. Like, I, th- I think of an example, like I just, uh, there was a headline in the news today, one of the battles for a town in Ukraine, and it was up to 300,000 Russians, mm-hmm. ca- Russian casualties in the battle for that town. And just, I was just thinking, I wonder what different reactions people have had in their heart when they read that. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it could range from one end of the spectrum to well, good riddance. They deserve it. I'm glad. I'm glad they're suffering for what they're doing. Through the other end of the spectrum would be actually something shaped by scripture of like, don't rejoice in the death of the wicked, right. even if you think this is like an evil war and it's an oppression and it's an abuse of power. Mm. I'm not going to rejoice in the loss of three hundred thousand right. humans, and just. You know, one might make me watch the headlines and, and be a bit excited to see, well, I wonder if they're losing more, to look for more loss. Uh, possibly, you know, yeah, and, the, and there's yeah. a big spectrum, all sorts of possible reactions. Yeah. But the other end might make me pray yeah. for people, pray, you know, for my enemy, mm-hmm. right? And, and then, then we're picking up Jesus' words. Right, <laughs> it's right. really starting to echo. But yeah. it... It just, it's so interesting how, well, what a big difference narrative mm. can make that, that it could almost create the opposite response to something. Yeah. And responding to something like, you know, a global war, you know, that that's a huge thing. But I think it can be true on a micro level of like how I'm going to interact with my wife or my kids or my friends or my colleagues or... Um, it it can affect all those things as well, because it 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 recontextualizes events, but it also means I carry into the next set of events a different set of resources in my heart. Like the balance of peace, joy, hope, mm-hmm. fear, anxiety will be different depending on the story, yeah. and so the possibilities change not just for how I'll perceive things, but for what I'm able to bring as a reaction. Mm-hmm. And so, so let me—it it changes so much. Let me think of it like this: like just you know, maybe simple, practical example. As you're saying that, you know, we could look at hey, our time is short here. Mm-hmm. I don't have much time. 
A, a story that tells me, go grab everything for myself that I need, you know, make the best, have the most fun I can have, period, regardless of cost to others, and it doesn't really matter because my time is short. Yeah. Right. Or I can say, no, actually, that's not the the story I live in is not that. It's not centered on me. Yeah. Um, And time is short. I need to go. um, Yeah. I I need to. How do I care for you know, people that I love, how do I look at other people differently and how do I help them out? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's really interesting, even within those things you're yeah. saying, there's different versions of sure. them yeah. as well, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like the first thing, like it, it could be hedonism, mm-hmm. you know, or it might be something a little subtler that's like, well, I kind of need to self-care and self-medicate by finding things that make me happy. Right. And it's actually it's not it's not the pursuit of pleasure for pleasure's sake. Mm-hmm. It's the avoidance of evil through the pursuit of mm-hmm. pleasure. Mm-hmm. It's more cathartic, yeah. and I th- actually think that's far more common and gets mistaken yeah. for hedonism. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. that, but those are really different mindsets. Yeah, and um, it's the same circumstance. Time is short. Like yeah. the fact is, yeah. that we've got so much, you know, a limited amount on this. Yeah. Earth, so that hasn't changed. It's yeah. just how I'm reacting to that, how I'm responding to that, and then those possibilities of what I do yeah. are going to be different. So that's that's helpful. Um, and 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 then think about the story of like, because a lot of this is to do with okay, well, what difference does God make? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like the reality of God might mean what it looks like to care for myself or mm-hmm. to make the world better for myself or for others mm-hmm. is going to have some different possibilities. Yeah. But it's really interesting that we're driven and so motivated as humans to seek the good life, like moral yeah, philosophy yeah. for thousands of years, yeah. like four or 5,000 years has centered around this idea that we all want to have a good life and we disagree about what's good and how to pursue mm-hmm. even the same goods. But that's the drive. And yet, it, and this is an interesting distinction the sort of common perception of what the gospel story is Mm. that's in our culture is about how to avoid an evil of guilt. Right. When actually I would argue that the biblical story includes that as a factor, but it majors on how to discover the good life. Yeah. And we don't make, it just seems a disconnect. It's like, oh, humans seem to be wired to want to pursue the good life. Mm-hmm. But we make our main connection point with them as like, you should get to know Jesus to help you avoid To the escape evil. the bad. And I get it because playing to someone's fear or anxiety can be very powerful. But it can also be very dangerous. Mm. So I worry about that sometimes. Yeah. And, and I think actually if we understood the whole story and were able to contextualize what to be afraid of and how to avoid it in a larger story about the offer of, of goodness mm, from mm. God. It, you know, it, it just changes the tone of the conversation and I think it might draw some better things out of people into the conversation. Yeah, Maybe it's, I, I always approach this or is it's, you know, how do I look at this is not so much um, I'm saved from something and saved from 
my sins and saved from hell, but what am I saved to? Um, and how do I unpack that a little bit more? And, and, and focusing on that gets me in a place where I'm a little bit more um, thankful. I'm a little bit more uh, worshipful. Um, and because I, I, I find that sort of here, what am I avoiding? That sort of seems like I'm just, I don't know, there's a bit of self-centeredness in that when I do yeah. that very often. I'm like, no, it's just about me avoiding that. Yeah. And uh, I just, I anyway, I think there's got to be more to it than that. I, I like to look at it like, what am I saved to? Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of, you know, the verse, like the, the devil goes around like a prowling lion mm-hmm. seeking whom he can devour. Mm-hmm it lets us know something about Satan's agenda to destroy. Mm, mm. But I think it also lets us know something about the culture of the kingdom of darkness. Mm. That we want, like Satan wants us to feel like prey. Mm. And actually, that's not God's heart. But it's really interesting because I've heard people share the gospel where it is like God's out to get you. And I know I... God does not want yeah, you to feel yeah. like prey. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it can be such a difference oh, maker yeah. in in what the story actually is. Uh, so how would you let's uh let's maybe get to it, you know, in terms of how would you say like one now as we're in Lent and kind of mm-hmm. approaching Easter um because you know, Easter's a part of that story yeah, as well. Yeah, and why do it now? And why do it yeah, now? Which we'll yeah. talk a bit about on Sunday, but okay. I feel like on Sunday we're going to be able to talk about it for a minute. Okay. <laughs> it's actually a really rich idea. Yeah. Um, because the cross and the resurrection yeah. are these climactic moments in God's story, in the unfolding of God's mm. design and his plan and how he's accomplishing those things. So they're pivotal. Mm. Which is why Easter's a big deal. And I feel a little bit like culturally, if we were to rank the Christian holidays, Christmas is the biggest. Right. And Easter's the second. And actually the incarnation's a really big deal. I'd kinda I kinda wish we could just maybe equalize them a bit. Because mm, it is sad mm. to me that often Easter like pops up, says hello, and now it's gone back down below. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> just, and that's it. <laughs> you know, and it's a it's a much bigger deal. Yeah. Um, and I think we know it theologically, but we don't have practices yeah. around it, um, which is sad to me. Which is why we're inviting communities this whole month before to actually try to create that sort of space, mm-hmm. um, which I think will be really healthy, really good. Um, I think it's a way we can be countercultural. You know, our culture may not treat Easter as a different time of year that's special and has a distinct purpose, like like it does between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah, yeah. But we can create that. Yeah. You know, and so I think that's really important. And and I think I don't know. It's about the significance because there's the micro story. Like we'll have stations of the cross in Holy Week. So we'll focus in on the micro story of like Jesus carrying his cross and, um, you know, his trial, his crucifixion, being buried in a tomb, the tomb being found empty. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, it occupies a weekend. Yeah. Yeah. It's not much space. 
Um, and that is the story of Easter. But why do those events have the meaning they have? Mm. Why, why do they have the signif- significance they have? That only makes sense in the context of the larger story. I, I mean, it's kind of like, let's go Lord of the Rings nerd. Okay. Oh, uh, all right. Like we've got a high nerd culture okay. at church, <laughs> and I don't think we've talked about Lord of the Rings or Marvel <laughs> or something. You could do, you could play the same game with the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, uh, uh, actually, Marvel might now. Now I've put that idea in my head. I've got a better, well, let's stick a better with analogy. Talking. Okay, uh, but like, you could have Thanos making the Infinity yeah. Gauntlet, and you're watching that film. And you're like, oh, you know, it's got stones in. Don't really know what they are. But he's some sort of big threat and he's going to have a big fight. Mm. And so you're like, oh, well, that seems significant. They've built enough tension in the movie, enough storytelling Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the movie that if you only watch one film where that's, uh, you know, a part of the film, you're going to feel like you watched a good story. But if you're full nerd and you've watched the 27 films before that one, where they're setting up just why this matters and who he is and what he's bent on and what that's fighting against, all of a sudden, the little micro story of that film is actually telling you something about the whole of the rest of the big story. And I like a similar thing. Yeah, if you're like, I hate Marvel, give me some Tolkien. Mm -hmm. You know, you could have um, like like in the middle film, where like Boromir's wrestling yeah. with whether to take the ring and is humanity going to fail? And Tolkien's telling this like pseudo theological story about mm-hmm. human nature and things like that. But if you only watch like those scenes, then it's like, oh, that's like a, yeah, I, I get there was some sort of epic battle. And yeah, but sure. you, you didn't realize how much more was at stake. Yeah. And I think that's the thing with Easter, it, it, it's really good for us to like get to a good Friday and reflect on the fact like, oh my Jesus, thank you that you mm-hmm. actually took my sin upon you. Mm. To be thankful, to to revel in it, to feel the weight, the power, the, the significance of Jesus doing that. But if that's all that we get, then the only part of us that we're reorienting around this central, what we've said is pivotal, it's a pivot point just for how I relate to God about my guilt, shame, and sin. Mm-hmm. And that's an important thing to have a pivot point about. But could it be a pivot point about God's generosity, mm. about the purpose he has, about the fact that he's defeating the enemy of, of God and humanity and creation? Mm-hmm. You know, there's like all these other layers of what's being accomplished in the cross. I mean, the cross is, is told actually as the enthronement of a king and the inauguration of a kingdom. Mm. What if we spent, I mean, imagine what it would be like, how counterintuitive it would be for people who've been to church a long time to go to a Good Friday gathering and have it not be about sin at all mm. and have it all be about the enthronement of a king. Yeah. Right? But there's, that's it. There's all these layers going on, and I think it's so easy to miss them unless we're aware of the big story. And I don't think that it means that every Easter we have to um, grab a hold of every connection to the big story. Because the the big story, although it's simple enough to tell Mm. a child, 
it's rich enough to keep us occupied for our whole life. And beyond. <laughs> and beyond. Yeah. So, so it's actually, it's more of an invitation that as we grow in joining up Easter mm. with the whole mm. story, it's going to help us appreciate Easter, the Even empty more. tomb, the cross more. Yeah. And not just appreciate, but be affected by. You know, when someone says, take up your cross, live a cross-shaped yeah. life, the possibilities for us being like theologically affected, for mm. God to get mm. under our skin, to move our thoughts and move mm. our hearts with those sorts of ideas is going to go up by degrees as we're yeah. able to make those connections. Uh, that's that's really good. So that's that's a little bit of the why. Now. Yeah, that's part we of the why. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you want to uh, um, jump into? Hey, here's the the childlike. Do you want to tease that out? Here's how we might say that, or are you going to you know save that for Sunday? I think we'll save it. Okay. I'm, I'm really tempted to because yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I love the story, yeah. but I actually think that's the purpose of the yeah. next month. So pay attention. So yeah, yeah keep coming. Like watch every, watch every Sunday, follow yeah. along, talk about it, and, and, and not just know the story, but there may be aspects of the story where you're yeah. like, I hadn't really thought about that part of the story. Yeah, and then the invitation is. It's your story because you're one of God's people. Well, I was I was just going to say that this isn't just something to go and know and say, oh, that's God's story. It's it's there, et cetera. It's from the very beginning, like we were part. He's inviting us into His story, yeah, um, as well. And so that means it's still true today yeah. <laughs> for um, you and I, for everybody. Yeah. It's out there. Because it's, so, it's, yeah. it's the reality, and then we're invited into yeah. it. And there may be an aspect of reality where, like, I'd not, I'd not kind of realized that that's actually reality, yeah. not this yeah. other thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, hopefully it's actually exciting to situate ourselves yeah. in that story, to realize that this epic that's unfolding, we're a participant in it. Yeah, just anticipate. Yeah, um, yeah. Maybe something different than you thought that's grander than you thought of before. Yeah. Um, and that's it just, I don't know, I start to anticipate and go, all right, I'm just going to leave my excitement there and not worry about resolving it, mm -hmm. but just to sit in the, this is going to be b bigger than I can imagine. And and actually that that sort of description, I think, that's a really good description of actually what Easter's for. Mm, mm. It's not to sort of pull everything together and get us re-centered on like three or four things perfectly aligned. Okay, good right. to go till next time we celebrate that. Because God uses celebration to help form us, to create mm. rhythms that form us. But actually, it's more to be inspired. Mm. And we all might be affected a little differently. Um, and, and it's... It's and a, differently it, at different times. It's a, yeah, it's like a variegated, yeah. multifaceted thing. And yet it's also deeply unifying that yeah. it's the same story for all of us. Mm. But we're all being shaped slightly differently. And so there's a complexity to Easter that goes beyond sort of analyzing a story. Mm. Um, it, it is kind of about being inspired, shaken up, mm. You know, settled into a part of it, jolted out of something else. You know, um, mm. it should have a a profound but but quite different effect on uh, different people. Well, and it's a, a 
gosh, I just had this, I just see this. It's not just a story for me as an individual, but to see that you and I, you know, and others here, we're in this story together. Yeah. And and you're going to react a little bit differently um, uh, at different times and yeah. than me, but yet it's... It's meant to be that way as well. And that speaks, I mean, goodness, this could be another half-hour conversation, Uh which we're not going to do, but (laughs) that speaks a little to Christian unity. Like in the US, the last few years, we've witnessed Christians who have a value for unity actually respond to events very differently because they thought they meant completely different things. And I think it's a part of discipleship that it equips us to respond rightly, the better we inhabit the real story of mm, God. Sure. Not bits of it. And then, like, when we miss things, it, it really can matter. Well, and we're not, uh, I guess, in that in this story language, we're not acting out in different stories. Mm-hmm. You know, it is a, it is a unified story that yeah. we're in, um, but we act often as though... No, that's your story, and this is my story, and we yeah. do things differently. And we're both, well, aren't we both Christians? In, in, yeah, and that's yeah. not what God wants. Yeah, and, yeah. and actually maybe that's, you could have real, because I'm just thinking like unity doesn't mean everyone gets along like a bed of right. roses and there's no conflict in the kingdom of God. Like Paul and Barnabas yeah. had conflict, mm. but they had unity. Mm-hmm. Mm. Unity is a, Maybe a way to get at what un- what yeah. Christian unity is, because yeah. um, sometimes Christian unity can become like, well, we're just going to agree to get on and leave all our differences right. at the door, and it's like, well, what are you unified around then? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but maybe this idea of what the story is mm-hmm. could be a way to get at the kind of unity that matters. Yeah, so that would be a good. really interesting idea to pursue. Yeah, but one we're out of time off for today. Okay, so we've got you thinking. You know what's coming. Stay tuned. People listening to the podcast hopefully feel a little bit better oriented, which is awesome, and know what's going on. And yeah, I hope it's going to be fun to sort of explore the story because inspiration, yeah, Yeah. normally is a good thing. Yeah. All right. So enjoy. We look forward to it. Talk to you soon. soon.